Well, it is so good to be with you fine folks today. I almost can turn, feel like Vero is my second home. I'm here so often to see Steve and Tammy and Kent and Susan and everybody who's on staff here. It's just a great time to be together. Hey, it, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, I hope you've got your wings, your dip, your, your nachos, everything. You're ready to go for Super Bowl Sunday. Tonight at the college, we're having a big Super Bowl party. And that's a huge thing. I mean, it's going to be a great time. And our students are trying to search the scriptures to find out who's going to win the Super Bowl. You see, because in a Christian college, you do that. You look in the Bible for almost everything you can find. And so our young men and young women have been searching the scriptures, and I think they found the answer. Yes, the Super Bowl winner will be announced in the Bible. You find it hard to believe. I know you're looking at me like, no, that's just no way. But you've got to study scripture to understand that as well. Well, first of all, what I found out is by looking through scripture, you find no mention of tigers. None. You don't hear anything about tigers whatsoever. So that's, if you're a, if you're a Ram fan, that seems like it'd be a pretty good thing that God's for Rams. Then you look and you find all about Rams. And everywhere you find about Rams, there's, there's mentions of Rams all through the Bible. The only problem is every time you find them, they're being slaughtered. Okay, let, let it work on you, okay? So there you go. Hey, it is so good to so good to be with you today, and just to talk about um, the providential way God has used John, Johnson University, Florida. Johnson University, Florida has an amazing history. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 reminds us, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work with us. You know, we have an amazing history as a university. A monetary gift of $3,000 combined with the conviction that we should have a Christian college in the state of Florida to train men and women for ministry and other strategic visions, has become more than we could ever ask or imagine. Our story begins in 1973 with a, with a lady by the name of Nancy Royal. Nancy was a preacher's daughter who lived in Jacksonville, Florida, and she had a desire to do something beyond herself. And so she had decided to give $3,000 to her mission fund at her church that would be seed money to start a college. And the preacher, being someone of great faith, said, Nancy, there's no way we can start a college with $3,000. And so he took that $3,000, placed it in the offering, into the mission budget, and it just sat there for six months. Well, six months later, Nancy came back to her preacher and said, Preacher, what have you done with that $3,000? And he said, Nancy, there's no way we can start a college with $3,000. But Nancy was persistent. She kept going and going and going until finally he held an ad hoc preacher's meeting in Orlando, Florida in 1974. At that meeting, there were 26 ministers who had gathered together to discuss the feasibility of starting a college here in Central Florida that would train men and women for ministry. That was the goal and the desire during that time. And so they had a vote, and it was 25 to 1. I'm sure that one no vote was a youth minister. It just had to be, okay? But the idea was that they decided they'd start a ministry, that they would start a Bible college during that time. Now, with only $3,000, they said, we're going to focus on faculty rather than focus on facilities. And four men were called to be part of that first faculty. You may know some of these names, and I'll read them. John Hasty, Jim or Doc Smith, uh, Marion Henderson, Warren Humphrey. And together, they served as professors for the college and administrators in the evening. And then on the weekends, they would travel all around the state to share what was going on with the college so people would know exactly what's happening. In Orlando, there was a church called First Christian Church of Orlando located on Cayley Avenue, and they agreed that this college could share space with their church for a period of time, and they would be used free of charge during that time. And so in 1976, 43 young people showed up 
to go to that college. Now, one other thing they had to have was dorms. And down the road from First Christian Church of Orlando was an apartment complex known as Country Place. And they agreed to allow 18-year-olds to live in those dorms unsupervised. Now, I don't know what took more faith, to $3,000 to have the college or to let students live there unsupervised. I'm not sure which, but either way, it was an amazing story that began to happen. And in 1976, 43 young men and young women showed up at a temporary campus of Johnson University, Florida. Over the next few years, the college began to grow. New students began to come in and go out as preachers, and um, new professors were added, professors that maybe you've heard their names, Roger Chambers, Mike Chambers, and Glenn Bourne. And over the next 10 years, enrollment continued to grow, and like always, when two organizations or two families are in one house, you know, it gets a little growing pains that happens. That's exactly what was happening with the college. We needed our own campus. We were so thankful for First Christian, but we had to move out and get our own campus And so we began a a statewide search, or basically a Central Florida search, to look for the college, a new location that we could find. And they looked everywhere. They looked as far north as Daytona, as far south as Tampa. They looked all around Central Florida, all around Orlando, trying to find that perfect place for the campus. Well, in 1983, there was a rancher in Kissimmee. His name was Chappie, Mr. Chapman. And Chappie had a desire, just like Nancy Royal, to see something happen beyond himself. And so he gave 40 acres to the school for a campus. The only problem was it was pasture land, and that's all it was. There was only one road that ran down the side of the 40 acres. It was called Boggy Creek. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very prestigious, does it? I mean, you know, we want to have like something like, um, you know, President's Circle or Academic Way, you know, something that sounds stately in college. Boggy Creek does not sound stately, does it? I mean, it just sounds kind of, well, you know, it just sounds kind of hee-hawish, if you're going to be honest with you. And so, but, we, but that's what they did. Well, when you give us that 40 acres that we had there, there was only, we had, like I said, there was a problem. There was no infrastructure, no roads. And so we began to think, what are we going to do with this property? We did an estimate to find out how much it would cost to type into the roads and run in the infrastructure that we would need. And it was $185,000. during that time. Now, that's when $185,000 was real money, okay? So you have to understand, that was a lot of money in the 1980s or in that time. And so the the trustees began to think, what can we do? Well, they had two options. Option number one was to give Mr. Chapman back the property and just tell him we're so thankful, but it just was not a usable piece of property. Or option number two was to ask him if we could sell the property and find a more suitable location. After all, it was 40 acres of prime pasture land. Well, on that Tuesday afternoon, the trustees had scheduled a meeting with Mr. Um, Mr. Chapman, and they were going to meet with him to discuss those two options as they got together. And as they came together, that morning in the Orlando Sentinel, on the front page, it was announced that right across from the 40 acres that we had, there was going to be a new recreation complex called Osceola Heritage Park. And that Heritage Park was going to put in all the infrastructure that we would need at that time. And they were going to charge us $15,000 to hook into their infrastructure. Only $15,000. What an amazing deal. Here's the great thing. They never asked for the money. They never charged us. It was a gift to the college that they did at that time. Like I said, God is able to do more than we ask or imagine in that time. Well, as we began to grow and the school began to grow, in 1986, we moved to our permanent location. We changed our name from Central Florida Bible College to Florida Christian College. And with numeral growth, number, numeric, numerical growth, we began to see our student body grow. New professors and staff were added. And in 2012, we graduated our 1,000th student. 
In 2008, a financial crisis hit our country. You may remember that during 2008. And it seemed for a while there, things were in trouble. Things were in danger. Um, dwindling cost, dwindling um, support from churches and individuals because of the crisis they were facing really put a damper on the college. Not only did that happen, that got the attention of this, um, the SACS, the Association of, of, um, school, of Colleges and Schools that gives us our accreditation. Now you understand in a college, it doesn't matter how many professors you have or how many buildings you have, if you don't have students, you don't have a college. And what was going to happen at that point was we were going to lose our accreditation, which meant kids could not transfer their credits, their, their diplomas would just be pieces of paper, they wouldn't have any value. And so it looked like the school was in doubt. It actually looked like Nancy Royal's dream of $3,000 gift was for naught. It looked like the 25 preachers who said, yes, let's start a college, that that dream was not going to happen. And so they began to wonder what was going to happen here. And we began to pray and say, God, what do you want to happen here? This, is a, this means the college is going to go out of existence. And in 2012, Johnson University of Florida reached out to the college and talked about a strategic merger. Strategic because Johnson wanted to have a second campus where it could reach into new cultures and new communities, and Florida, was its growing, with its growing population, was the ideal place for it to grow. Strategic in that Florida needed help to get over the financial hurdle that had happened during that time, and it made it strategic for what was happening. So in June of 2013, we became Johnson University, Florida, and that's exactly what happened during that time. Well, with that merger, look what's happened today. We have taught, mentored, and graduated over 1,900 alumni who are serving all around the world as preachers, missionaries, administrators, youth ministers, worship ministers, teachers, nonprofit leaders, professors, health care workers, and attorneys. Johnson University of Florida is literally woven into the fabric of our society. We're fully associated with the accredited institution of the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools, and through that, we have our accreditation, which gives our school legitimacy in what we do. We are located on 40 acres on, on Kissimmee next to the turnpike with 14 buildings and a campus worth $19 million. Of the 193 Christian churches in the state of Florida, 45 of them are led by graduates of Johnson University, Florida, including your minister, Steve Jones, and your worship minister, um, Kent Drake. Think about that. In our foyer, there are 45 flags that are displayed, and each one of those flags represents a place where some of our students have left their school and gone off to be missionaries. When you go into the foyer, you see these beautiful flags hanging there. They're not just there for decoration. They're there as a constant reminder that our college in Kissimmee has an influence around the world is what's happening. We have one white flag there, and people ask us from time to time, what's that white flag for? Is that, is that surrender? And we say, no, that white flag represents a place in Africa where we have a young man who right now is translating scriptures in a Muslim country and he's continuing to do just that he's part of that 45 flags that hang there and it's a beautiful picture of how God has used that little community in Kissimmee to really go around the world with what has happened during that time currently we have 21 mission we have 21 alumni serving in missionaries in Germany Ireland Scotland Africa and two other places um, in the Native American Native American reservations on in Arizona as well I wonder if that first Pope committee, that first ad hoc committee realized what God could do in that area. You see, only God could take $3,000 and turn it into and a group of committed people into an institution like Johnson University in Florida. But the story of Johnson University of Florida is no different than, than what you find in a lot of Scripture. Because in Scripture, there's things that start out small, and yet they, through the blessings and power of God, 
they truly grow to make a big impact on the kingdom. You know, it's amazing how, how God uses small, small items to make a huge impact. In Luke, the 21st chapter, there's a, there's a great account of Jesus visiting the temple. And as he's visiting the temple, it's, it's the day that they're bringing their tithes and their offerings into the temple. And to be honest with you, it, it's, a, it's a strange story when you start to read it and really peel back the layers to see what is happening. You see, in our world today, our offerings are done online or in the box in the back. Before, we used to do them in plates, but that was it. But in that day and age, the offering, you showed how much money you were giving by the amount of display you were showing as you gave it. In other words, if you were giving a big amount of money, you sounded the trumpets, you beat the drums, you hanged the tambourine. You wanted people to know, I'm giving a lot of money and being very showy in what you're doing. And Jesus and his disciples are standing over here, and they're watching this happen Man after man after man coming through, doing this thing, grotesque show of, of how they're giving their money. And over here in the corner, there's this little widow lady. Nobody notices her. There's no tambourine. There's no trumpet. There's no drum beat. She just walks up to the treasury, puts in two small coins, clink, clink. Two small coins. And that's it. And Jesus notices her and says, I tell you the truth. This lady has put more into the treasury today than all these other people at that time. How, how could that be? How, how could two small coins equal every, surpass everything that was there? Because God takes small things and makes a huge impact with them. You see, small things placed in God's master's hand make a huge difference. In John, the sixth chapter, we, we have a story of Jesus. He's, he's, he's walking around and he's, tell, he's sharing with these people. And there's 5,000 men following him, not counting women and children. And, and as they're following him and, and watching what he is doing, it's getting kind of late. And the disciples realize it's getting very late. And they're thinking, what are we going to do with all these people? We've got to send them away. In fact, the disciples say, Lord, send these people away. We can't feed them. And then Jesus says something that I'm sure shook these men to their sandals. You feed them. You feed them. And all of a sudden, there's this great search for food. They are looking for food everywhere. Now, you've got to remember, in John chapter 6, there is no Chick-fil-A. Okay? So that's not going to happen. They've got to start looking for food. And they're looking around, and they find a little boy. Andrew finds this little boy, brings him to Jesus. He's got a few fish, a few loaves of bread. And Jesus says, how do people sit down? He prays, and he feeds 5,000 people. Small items placed in the master's hands always have a huge impact and always make a difference. And what is true about Scripture continues to be true at Johnson University, Florida. God has used that small college in Kissimmee to have a huge impact in the lives of so many people through the students who attend that college. His name was Steve. No, it's not Steve Jones, but his name was Steve, and he came to our college in 1983. Steve wanted to be a youth minister in the worst possible way. He had a great youth minister where he served in the land, and he said, I, I want to be a youth minister. And so he came to school, and he studied youth ministry, and he, he continued to work and learned all about youth ministry. He's got an internship like all of our students have, and he was ready to go out into youth ministry. He went to his first youth ministry. He lasted about 18 months. It just did not work out. It, something happened. It just didn't work out. It didn't mesh. And so he started another youth ministry at another church, and he was doing okay. And then about another 18 months, that one didn't work out. 
he wanted desperately to be a youth minister, but he figured that God, that was not God's plan, and so he was very handy with tools, and so he moved to Indianapolis where he got involved in construction, and he eventually bought a, bought a um, construction company himself. He married a young lady up in um, Indianapolis. She was a doctor, and they had a great life. And on their 25th wedding anniversary, they decided they would go west, and while they would go west, to go see all those sites that you see out west. They would go see, you know, Hoover Dam and Las Vegas and all those other things you're supposed to see when you visit on the west. Well, on the way home from their trip, after spending two weeks on that time, they, they stopped at a little convenience store, kind of like a 7-Eleven. They were going to get some snacks. And so they got all their snacks, and they came out, and as they were coming out through that time, Steve noticed there were some Native American children there playing. And so he began to talk to them, and he gave them a piece of candy each, each and was talking with them and laughing with them. And his wife came out, and they jumped in the car, and they were headed to Indianapolis. Steve's wife says that Steve did not talk for an hour. He was just silent. And she finally said, Steve, what's the matter? What's the problem, honey? And he said, I can't get those kids out of my mind. I just can't get those kids out of my mind. And Steve did something that no red-blooded American male would ever do. Turned around and drove an hour back. Now, folks, dads, you know this. I mean, I'm, I'm that way. When I'm, when I'm vacation's over, I'm ready to head back and get home. I want to get home. I'm not turning around. If I've left a child, they'll ship him to me, okay? We're not going to do that. If it's the grandchild, I'll go back, okay? But the child, that's not happening, all right? And so they go back, and guess what? Those same Native American children are at the same store sitting there. And so he comes out, and he says to them, and they start talking. He says, come see my mom and dad's house. They go around back. He takes them to their houses. And these houses are just little shanties held together with barbed wire and tin, and that's all they were, just whatever they could find to hold these houses together. Steve goes back to Indianapolis and sells his construction business. His wife goes back to Indianapolis with him. She sells her practice and medical practice. They go back to Arizona where they start Spur Ministries. You can look it up on Google, Spur Ministries. And at that place, what they're doing is Steve is building houses for these people that are eight-sided homes that, that take care of the wind that comes across this Arizona, his wife is now the doctor on the reservation. They have a more powerful youth ministry now than they ever had 25 years ago when God took and used them in that way. You see, small things placed in the hand of God make a huge impact in what happens in that area. And that's exactly what happened with Steve and his wife. But there's also the one I, I tell you about, a lady by the name of Linda. Linda came to college, and she came as the financial aid director. And as the financial aid director, you're one of the most popular people on campus because you're the one who assigns scholarships. You're the one who helps the students get Pell Grants. You're the one who, who helps them financially maneuver college life. Well, while she was in school, while she was there working, Glenn Bourne came to her and said, take one of my classes. Take one of my classes. And she said, I, I can't. I cannot take one of your classes. These, these college kids are so much smarter, so much faster. I, I could not keep up. And Glenn Bourne said, I'll go easy on you. Now, Stephen, I can tell you, Glenn Bourne never went easy on anybody. Okay? Amen. That's right. He never went easy on any of us. But for some reason, Linda took a class. And it was a class on missions. But at the end of the class, it was a unique class because at the end of the class was a mission trip to Haiti. And she didn't know that when she signed up. She just signed up because it was a class that sounded interesting to her. And so as she began to take that class, she did just that. And that's exactly what she did. 
When she arrived there, Linda had a new ministry, and a new ministry on calling. And after her first semester, she took that class. This is what she said about her trip from her own words. On that trip, I heard, saw, and smelled things that should have scared me to death. A baby with leprosy, a starving, chi a starving child, streets filled with filth. She was grabbed by a demon-possessed woman. A very angry man ran at her with a machete in his hand. Linda said, I should have been terrified by all of these things and many more, but I was not. She was filled with peace and wonder and kept saying to herself, I could live here. I could do this to her amazement. It was during that trip that she told the Lord that she would, do, she would go wherever the world which she wanted, wherever God would lead her. And God has answered that prayer. And for the last 19 years, for 19 years, she served as pioneer Bible translators in Tanzania, Africa. And the moral story, even though she says, I didn't know what was going to do with a degree from Florida Christian College, God knew. Even if I tried it, I would never have mentioned being in Africa. I would have never guessed God would have placed me there. I hope this is helpful for you to know that just give your life over to God and allow him to work in your life and you will be amazed to see what he will do. Small items placed in the master's hands make a huge difference. Small items placed in the master's hands make a huge difference. God has used a small college in, in, in Kissimmee to make a huge difference literally around the world in what has happened. But there's a second truth to look at in this scripture today. It comes from the five loaves and the reference of the two coins. It's simply this. God uses the common to make it uncommon. God uses the common to make it uncommon. Two small coins, kind of like today's pennies. Don't even notice them very much. I mean, we, we put pennies in a jar at home or we give them to our grandchildren. We may throw them into a fountain. Um, depending on our day, we see one laying on the floor. We might pick it up. You know, it's just two small pennies. And yet, they meant more than all the treasury of that day because God took something common and made it uncommon in that way and what he did. Or how about five loaves of bread and two fish, a boy's simple lunch, and God used it to feed 5,000 men in an impossible way until you realize it takes a common, God takes the common and uses it in an uncommon way. You know, Johnson University of Florida is a common place. We're like a lot of other colleges. If you were to visit our college, you would find that we have a faculty, we have a library, a dining hall, dorms, and students. We have the things that you would see on our common. But what makes our place an uncommon place is what God does with us. What makes us uncommon is simply this. Our common community is made uncommon by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what transforms us. Fellowship is a very familiar term in the Bible. It means koinonia, to have in common or communion. Or, or, or partnership or participation. 2 Corinthians 2 described communion, common fellowship this way. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. To share with the Holy Spirit, of all, to share in the common fellowship with all is mean everything we do focuses on giving God the glory. Above all, we are a community that works in fellowship with what God would desire us to do. And that is the foundation of our uncommon community. You see, teaching English to Chinese students is a very common activity in a lot of universities. You can find that happening in a lot of places. But it's uncommon by surrounding that teaching with a community of believers who teach a group of Chinese people who've never heard the gospel and take it back to China and are using it in an uncommon way. Preparing to be a teacher or a minister or a coach, a counselor, a business owner, 
a youth worker, a Bible translator, a community leader, is a common activity. You learn how to do those things in many different colleges. But what makes it uncommon is to challenge young men and young women to not look at the good life of this world, but to consider a vocation of ministry which will truly transform their, con their culture, their neighborhood, and their home. That's uncommon today. Living in a dormitory, going to class, eating lunch with our, with our classmates, playing ultimate frisbee, doing research in the library, working out in the fitness room, having coffee with your friends, or sitting quietly in the school reading a book are all common activities in our school. But it's made uncommon by engaging these activities to become a disciple of Jesus with a strong supportive community of disciples of Jesus who transform an uncommon fellowship by the Holy Spirit. Listen, we shouldn't be surprised that God uses common things in an uncommon way. Think about it. He used a feeding trough as a crib. He used a stable as a nursery for the king of kings. He used a shepherd's staff to part the Red Sea. He used ordinary men to be kingdom builders. He used a cup of juice and a small piece of bread to become a lasting memorial and a proclamation that he's coming again. He used imperfect people to become part of the body of Christ, the church. He used a wooden cross as a means of taking away the sins of the world and an act of baptism as a testimony that we've experienced the new life in Christ. We have an uncommon God who invites us to be part of his uncommon plan of reaching all people to tell them about an uncommon place which we all want to be a part of, known as heaven. God uses common items in an uncommon way. So what does that mean for us today? What's the, what's the application? Because we, we hear this story and we think, wow, God really worked through that college, but God is still working today. So what is the story or what's the application for each one of us? Well, I think there's some things that we can do that are very common, and yet because they're common, God will use them in an uncommon way. First and foremost, would you please pray for the college? Please pray for the college. Our college is not just 14 acre, 40 acres sitting on 14 buildings sitting next to the Turnpike in Kissimmee, Florida. We are a spiritual enterprise training men and women for ministry and other strategic vocations lined with the kingdom of God. That's, that's what we do. That's exactly what we do. And for that reason, we need prayer because we are a spiritual enterprise in what happens and what we do. So we want to train these men and women the right way. So I'd ask you to pray for our faculty. All those first few names that I mentioned at the beginning, those men have retired and another generation of faculty have come together. Same quality of men who are, and men and women who are continue to train new men and women for ministry. So please pray for them. Pray for high school seniors as they begin to think about where should they go to school. Would it be University of Florida, FSU, or maybe, just maybe, they'll become a kingdom worker at Johnson University of Florida where their lives will be completely changed in what happens and what they do. Pray for our, for our seniors because they're getting ready to leave. And they're, they're so excited. We're, we're so happy when they come, but to be honest with you, we're happy when they go, okay? That's true. We're happy when they go because they're, they're our kingdom workers going out. Pray for our student body as they continue to be trained. Pray for our students because it's a spiritual enterprise, not just a bunch of buildings and a bunch of teaching. It is truly a spiritual enterprise. The, se the second thing I'd say is, is promote the college. Promote the college. Steve and I are in ministry today because there was a man in our church in Jacksonville, named Fred, who promoted the college that had not even started yet. And yet he continued to say, you need to go to college. You need to be a minister. You could do this. You can do this. And he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Aren't you glad today that Steve is your minister and he's your minister because somebody promoted a college for him to be here today. So please promote 
the college among yourself. And then lastly, and you're already doing this through your mission dollars, you, you participate. You participate in the school. We look back at our records, and I noticed that Bureau Christian Churches supported this school, supported Johnson University for 44 years. For 44 years, you've been a partner with us. That's just a little younger than Steve at this point, okay? 44 years that's been happening. Over that 44 years, you have given, think about this, folks, $226,000. Now, the first group, they clapped when they heard that, okay? So if, if you don't want to clap, maybe you're going to give more today. <laughs> Think about it, over a quarter of a million dollars from one church because you understand that God takes the common and uses in an uncommon way. Your investment has been greatly appreciated and is a great encouragement to our faculty, our staff, and our students. Your partnership has transformed people that we will never even know about at that time. You are part of Steve and Linda's lives because of your generosity that has made a difference in their lives so they could go to school and keep education affordable during that time. I don't know how much the impact will be of this church until we get to heaven. But I do know this. Heaven is fuller because of the ministry of Bureau Christian Church and your support of Johnson University, Florida. So you've partnered with us. Pray, promote, and partner. Three very common items. When placed in God's hands, they'll have uncommon results. Pray, promote, and partner. Three very small items. When placed in God's hands, they will have a huge impact impact. In 1973, a, a preacher's daughter said, here's $3,000 to start a college. And today, God has used that $3,000 in a very uncommon way. The gospel has been proclaimed. Lives have been changed. The kingdom of God has extended. And among the nations, and heaven is fuller, and an uncommon God will receive all the glory. Our names have changed. Our location has changed. Our methods have changed. And yes, most definitely, our students have changed. But one thing has remained the same. Johnson University is an uncommon place empowered by an uncommon God to reach the world for Christ. I hope you'll realize how special this place is and thank you for your continued partnership. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. What a privilege it is to, to be with fellow believers who understand how you take the common and do it in an uncommon way. We're so thankful for how you work in that in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.